Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, it's a bit of a down mood, down mood, oh dear me, a downbeat mood in the uh, Elm Park Rolls building at the moment. We're going to have a chat about a 3-2 DV at Swansea when we were 2-0 up. And as Yaku Mate has come out and said, it's unacceptable to lose when you're 2-0 up. And to help me talk through this, I've been joined by Alex Everson, who was at the game last night. How are you doing, Alex? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm a little disappointed that Reading managed to throw away a lead again away from home. We seem to do it so often. We take the lead away from home and, and throw it away and lose games. It's extremely frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we um, kind of like think about the game last night. We're going to like more detail about it in a minute. But I mean, just the whole mood, even when it was 2-0, did you feel confident, Alex? Because I didn't feel massively confident. I felt if we'd got to half-time at 2-0, it probably would have been a different game. Uh, conceding before half-time was, was really, like, really bad timing. Uh, because if we'd got to half-time... Swansea really would have had to, you know, dig in. And I know they scored three goals eventually, but yeah, conceding before half time, it it I think it definitely knocked a lot of that confidence out of me. Um, because before they scored, oh, we had defended a lot of the game up to that point and we hadn't necessarily, you know, taken the game to Swansea or anything, but they hadn't really created anything. Um, I think Lumley made a save from from outside the box or the edge of the box before that, but there wasn't a wasn't many big chances or any big chances really that Swansea had created up until that point. So I don't know where I was necessarily like felt like it was inevitable that we were going to go away and lose once we were two up. But yeah, like the goal before half time really is what kind of swung it for me. 
Yeah, it was a huge moment. We'll come into more detail about that. But let's look at the team uh, lineup we've had we're going into the match. And Bengay comes in, Mate comes in, Fauna and Lumley. Out goes Jao, Carroll, and Bazanis and Guinness Walker. So were you surprised by the team news? And did you feel kind of like what was the mood at the ground? I mean, I find some of the team news a little surprising. Lumley coming back is an obvious one that was always going to happen. But the the one which I find most surprising, well, actually, there's probably two. So not playing a left back seems really a little bit bizarre to me. I know Junior Hoylett's done well at wing back this season, but before we got to the end of the transfer window, one of the biggest gripes that Paul Ince had was we need to go out and sign a left back. And now we have two in Rahman and Guinness Walker, and yet neither of them start in a game and we end up playing Junior Hoylett at left back. It, it, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That that That's a, an odd team selection choice, um, particularly as Rahman is definitely fit because he came on for half an hour at the end of the game. It's not as if he's, you know, ill or not match fit or anything like that. He's He's been on the bench for three weeks now. And then starting, or well, dropping Zhao and Carroll last night, I think before the game, I, I kind of, I didn't necessarily understand dropping both of them. Um, however, I think once you saw the way that we kind of were trying to set ourselves up in the game, and basically just going to knock it long for Mate to try and, you know, hassle a defender in the way that he did. It was probably the right selection to put Mate in, I think. Um, so it was a bit a bit mixed, I think, in terms of the team news. I, I liked bits of it and I didn't like other bits of it. I do think that we're, we're kind of at the point now with injuries, especially though, Paul. I don't know what you think, but at centre-back, we don't have enough fit centre-backs, clearly. And this is before... Like last night, we didn't have enough fit centre backs as it is. Yet we're we're trying to persist with playing three centre backs. Like, would it make more sense to try and take, you know, take it to the opposition a bit more and then play four at the back potentially? Yeah, possibly. Um, it could be a consideration. Um, Paul Ince was saying after the match, saying that yeah, we've got plenty of strikers on the substitute bench now, but we've actually nowhere near got any centre halves. <laughs> There's no you look at the players, if we had a Nabi Sar, who we've only seen one game from, so it's really hard to like, you know, I'm not gonna make him out to be uh I'm trying to think of some iconic defender now like I Marcel. Let's just go. say Sonko. I don't know, whoever oh. it is. Yeah. And then we kind of um uh, have Hutchinson who has come in and I thought he's been excellent since he's been playing and he's shown that he can play at centre defence, he can also play a little bit in midfield. He's OK. You're better off playing him in the three. But, yeah, we missed that. Would the game have been the same last night if either of them had been on the pitch? Well, we're ultimately never going to know. But I don't think it would have been any harm for maybe somebody to come in a little bit extra with McIntyre and Tom Holmes there. Um, I don't know. It's, our injury problems are just a constant issue. But if we go into the game... I mean, Lumley makes a brilliant save, I think, uh, early on from uh, Kabanga. I think that's a really good save, that one, to keep it a nil-nil. And it's kind of constant pressure from Swansea. They're camped outside our penalty area, but they're not actually having many chances. They might actually, if you're a Swansea fan, think they should have had a penalty, but I haven't seen the replay of that one. Yeah, I think the the reaction after last night to, to the way that Reading set up was very much... Um, 
that Reading came to basically sit back and defend and, and let Swansea take the game to them. And it, it was that was the game plan. You could see it in that first 20 minutes or so um, because we, we basically set up, we sat back with two banks of four, uh, well, bank of five and a bank of four. And that was it. And we just basically said, we basically just challenged Swansea to break through. And they didn't really manage it. Um, it was a good save by Lumley to low down when I think, yeah, Cabango got a shot from like 18, 19 yards out. And it was a decent save low down to his to his uh, right. And I think the, the penalty shout that you're talking about, Loom kind of goes through one of their players. I don't know which player it is, but he goes through one of their players. And I, I thought it was a penalty. Uh, when I saw it like live, I thought Loom just completely wiped him out. It looked like he was just way too late to the ball. Uh, I was quite surprised that more Swansea players didn't like appeal for that one. Um, but the, yeah, the first portion of the game, certainly Reading never, they didn't look like they were in much danger despite the fact that Swansea had all the ball. And I think it's kind of reminiscent of a few games this season, Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of games, hasn't there, over the last three or four years when we've just sat back. I mean, it's not a new tactic for Reading Football Club, is it? Just to sit on out on the edge of their penalty area, and it quite often ends up the way they did last night, ultimately. But I, I don't know about the tactics. I mean, if we could actually defend, I'd feel far more comfortable. But the fact is, we've now let in seven goals in the last three it's- games. Yeah, it's really doesn't fill me with any much hope defensively, really, Alex. I mean, I'd love to say that we are, but the start of the season feels quite a way away now. I mean, no, we're only in October, but it feels like a distance to defend. It's it's an interesting one because I think generally we defend okay for the most part, and then we make a couple of and I I can kind of understand Paul Ince's comments from last night about the fact that we make mistakes in opposition are capitalising on them because last night Swansea weren't creating chance after chance and Lumley keeping us in the game and actually we haven't given away tons of big chances this season in many games really um, but when we are giving up a chance we're conceding we're not we're not able to you know we're not able to rely on Lumley to keep a score down particularly and he, he don't get me wrong he's doing a fine fine job but he's not necessarily going to win as a game I don't think single-handedly. Um, so yeah, they they need to find a way to to just ease the pressure off because you can defend really well for eighty minutes in a game, but if you're having to just defend for eighty minutes, you're gonna give up a chance. You're gonna make a mistake at some point. We're Reading FC. We're not, you know, we're not Manchester City. Like we aren't good enough to to try and just hold a team out for eighty minutes necessarily. Um, so I I get the game plan of doing it because we don't necessarily have the quality to match up to some of these better teams in the division. But ultimately, you have to find a way to to play against some of them without just sitting in front of your own penalty area for, for 80 minutes of the game because we aren't good enough to do it. No, I, I think the most frustrating thing for fans is, is that we aren't even attempting to go toe-to-toe in a lot of these games. And I think if you're going to lose 4-0 like we did at Sheffield United and you're not actually, you know, maybe Sheffield United just way too good that night. Maybe that's not a good example. But if you look at other games, say, let's look at Norwich City. I know they play a very different kind of style to Swansea City, but we actually tried to attack them throughout the game. We did sit back in periods. There's no doubt there. But last night, when you're going 2-0 up against a team and 
there were parts of the game when we actually did try to attack Swansea and it wasn't like we were totally outclassed. I, I didn't quite understand the whole mentality of it all, but we should come on to the first goal because I think Yakumete does pretty well here considering he hasn't played for, you know, started games very much in the last year or so. Everyone will say, oh yeah, he should score her easily, but you still got to take the chance. It's fallen lovely for him, but well done to Yaku. He's come in, he's had an impact on the match. Yeah, it's a good finish from, from Mate. You know, he's in the right place at the right time. The ball's fallen to him nicely, but it's a good first time finish off of the rebound. And I, I don't necessarily think Reading deserved to be 1-0 up at that point, but we took our only chance and Swansea hadn't. So it was good. Um, yeah, it was good to see Mate get a goal, especially in, I think it might have been like his first, maybe second start this season. I, I don't think he started many games yet. So it was good to see him get a goal. Um, and generally, that first half particularly, he was effective in what he was doing. Yeah, I thought uh, Mate was excellent. It's a shame he couldn't stay on the pitch for longer, to be honest, because he then goes to have a huge impact when he uh, manages to get the ball off. Darling, who then later has another impact on the game, which isn't quite so much fun if you're a Reading fan. But hey, that's the joys of doing podcasting, talking about these things. Kind of a long punt up the field from uh, Tom Ince, trying to play into that area, hoping that Mato will get on the end of it. He manages a hassle, darling. Doesn't do too much with the pass. For me, that was key here. Sometimes we've seen uh, Mato and he'll kind of like panic in this moment and he'll do something slightly wrong. He gets the weight of the pass absolutely perfect. And Tom Mintz does what you'd hope he'd do. He, you know, there's no problem there from him, Alex. He just takes it nicely, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a neat finish, Mintz. And as you say, I think we've, we're kind of prone to seeing Mate do that one too many touches sometimes, especially when he's got a little bit of time to think about it. But he does well to win the ball off Darling. I saw the replay afterwards and the Swansea commentators are screaming for a foul. But I, I think it's really soft if you give a foul. For yeah. I agree. I, I don't think that was a foul. I mean, the referee let a lot go throughout the match. I mean, we just talked about the the possible penalty there for Swansea early on from Loom, and maybe that's why a penalty late on, which we'll come on to, didn't actually happen. But as you mentioned earlier there, Alex, I think um, getting to halftime 2-0 up was absolutely critical, and we don't manage to do it. I've now watched it back, and you can see that Darling is with Yudin. And then he manages to move off. He gets blocked off by a combination of Swansea and Reading players. So Yadin can't get to him. He's got a completely free header. And even though it's a free header, you've got to say it's a good finish. Yeah, it's a neat header. Um, Yadon definitely loses him. Like during the corner, it's not, not great man marking from, from Yadon. There's nobody on the posts. I don't really get that strategy of not not at least having one of your posts covered by by a man. Um, decent finish, though, like nods it right across the goal. Uh, yeah, it's just it was a frustrating one, but you could see it coming because every time we had it, every time we were trying to defend a corner, Swansea had a, a move or a, like a run, which resulted in them getting a, a free man. I think that at least two or three times they had a like a run to the back post, which they were aiming for and then this was the first one when they didn't try the back post run and they they basically just did the near post instead no one caught onto it and it was a pretty much a free header um it was disappointing to to concede from a header i think that's got to be free in the last four games now that we've conceded from from corners so it's um 
yeah, it's it's becoming a little bit of a worrying trend that we're, we're conceding again from set pieces quite so often. Yeah, it's a pattern that we've also seen repeatedly. I, this, doing this podcast is reminding me of a lot of the last three or four years, Alex. I don't know about you, but are you getting that deja vu feeling here with that match last night? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, not quite yet. Uh, I can I can definitely see why people have it, but I think yesterday was maybe a a little bit different because it wasn't like anybody down tools. It was more a case of we just got outplayed. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that was the situation. I don't think necessarily decisions to sit back so much in certain situations, substitutions, and all the different things there, but. Then there's an incident which nobody has seen any footage of since, I don't think, of which Paul Lynch mentioned that there was an elbow on Yadam and he thinks it should have been a red card. On the 56th minute, he comes off Yadam. So just before Swansea's equaliser. <sighs> Who knows whether this actually really did happen, whether it actually was uh, a red card worthy. We do know he went off injured Yadam, so he must have actually been quite injured there. Um I don't know. Do you think this is some kind of diversion tactic by Paulins? Or do you think this actually happened? Who knows? I mean, he definitely went down here, Dom, injured, um, and then came straight off. So, yeah, I'm guessing it must have happened, but I couldn't tell from where we were whether it was anything malicious or anything like that. Um, And he's out now for Saturday, obviously injured, but also he was suspended anyway because he got booked in the first half. So... I feel like it might just be like a nice, not nice, but the convenient excuse that he's injured because he's now suspended anyway. So um, it's a difficult one to, to really judge properly uh, whether it's like, whether it's really that bad or whether it's not. Um, the move that we made after Yudon came off, I think it, the substitution, I didn't necessarily like it, bringing, um, bringing Babaraman on for, for Yudon and then moving in Benway into centre-back to keep a free at the back system. I, I wasn't a fan of it. I, I don't really think it was the right move, especially considering we were just getting deeper and deeper into our own penalty box during that second half. Yeah, as that was the problem, wasn't it? I mean, also the problem is I'm not quite sure other options there were available to him to actually kind of... You could make up some situation where he could, like, move Holland and all these different things, but it's... Oh, I don't know... The, the problem with the centre-halves is, as we discussed, there's just no options there off the bench at all. And it is very complicated, that one, for him to actually find a, an answer to it, which actually improves the team or keeps it stable, at least. The equalising goal for Swansea from Cooper in the 60th minute, 
Um, I don't. What do you think of Tom Holmes' header here, Alex? It's a weak header, isn't it? it's it. just a weak. It's a weak header. Like it's I didn't realise. Header is it? Right like, back into the middle of the penalty area. He, he's managed to get his head on it, and he's just headed it in completely the most dangerous position he could have put it into. Um, I mean, the header is bad. Mbengue and Loom are both not aware that it's coming back towards that area. And Cooper's got like a fairly straightforward first time finish, uh, which Lumley's got no chance with. It's a bit disappointing all round. I think Holmes should do better. I think Mbengue and Loom both should be a bit more aware of the fact that the ball's like, you know, potentially coming back that way. And But I also feel like because we were so deep, I mean, that, that cross, when it comes in, we end up defending it almost on our six-yard box. It's like, it almost feels inevitable that we were going to give up a chance like that because we just kept dropping and dropping without actually trying to, like, push the game even five, ten yards further up the field. Yeah, it, is, it did feel inevitable. And then, obviously, we have the Fulton goal from about 55 yards out. It felt like that when you watch it back. It's kind of like, as, the, as you're there... You must think, how does that gone in? But I mean, I think watching it back, it feels more like a really good strike, a perfection, really. Than a, I, I, I don't think there's a goalie area there, really. It's hard I to tell disagree. The I think, behind the goal. What do you I think? I think Lumley should do a little bit better. Um, I think he's got so long to, to, to get down there. And don't get me wrong, it's a really well-placed strike, like right in the bottom corner. But I feel like it's... it's it's not hit with like an awful lot of pace or anything. It's just a pretty well, like well-placed strike. It's not like beating him to the, you know, beating him into the top corner or something. Um, I, I think maybe Lumley should have been able to get there for it. Um, I saw a couple of people saying that people should, he, like he should be closed down, but obviously you're not expecting Fulton to shoot from whatever it is, 30 yards or 35 yards or however far out it was. So I can kind of like, give a little bit of a pass but ultimately if you need you need your central midfielders to be covering there really um so you know it, it feels like both loom and hendrick are, are kind of found missing again at that point yeah i mean we could go into a hendrick um whole podcast here but i don't think we want to spend half an hour talking about that do we we've been here before so let's let's move on from that one the only thing I'll say about Hendrick is I, I think it's probably time that you need you need to stop you need to drop him for a game if it means changing formation in some way or changing the system to, to, to incorporate Jaria rather than Hendrick I think it has to be done because we it's not that we're playing with ten men that's 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 too it's too harsh but he's not he's just not adding enough at the moment to, to justify him being picked every week and it's Hendrick. Not Hendrick. Yeah, he's, Hen- he's not a gin. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I respect anyone who is a drinker of the gin. That's fine. But not Hendrix. Hendrick. And I know I will say it incorrectly now. I've absolutely killed myself with that one. We also saw the introduction before the like the third goal of Ovia Jaria and Lucas Jow. Like Lucas Jow seems to be getting a lot of, I don't know, stick, abuse, whichever way you want to look at it online for his displays this season. I, I don't think Lucas Jow has been as good as he could be this season. I think he's dropped off. I don't think there's any doubt on that. And I'm a huge fan of Lucas Jow. Um, I don't know what we do, though, because we need him to be firing. I mean, what are the other yeah. options at the moment? Because before last night, I would have said Yaku Mate couldn't play in a central striker position that well in the championship. 
but he played really well last night. So I mean, I, I, I think he, he took his chances. He took his moments, mate. I'm not sure necessarily how well he played, like overall. But he was just not involved in the game hugely. Um, I, I thought no, I that was he okay. done more in that game than Lucas Jow recently, though. I mean, yeah, that would be my counterpoint. Yeah. Jow's done very, very little, right? I thought Jow was okay when he came on. But he's he's he, a lot of this season when he's actually managed to get himself on the ball, he's taking too many touches to, to try and beat players. He's not laying the ball off well. Um, and it's, it's resulting in him not getting any chances to, to actually score. So it's really difficult to, to judge Lucas Schell, um like not against him, like against currency, against uh, last season currently. It's very difficult to judge him and say he's having a, even a reasonable season because it, it, the drop-off is like fairly apparent that he's, he's not playing at the same level, even personally, even before you consider the fact that he isn't scoring goals. Just his all-round play just isn't as good. Um, and it's a difficult one. I don't, I don't know what you do up front at the moment because we've got so many options and I just don't think any of them are necessarily that good. Yes. Pretty damning, really, isn't it? It's kind of like, I don't know where to go with it's, that one. Yeah. It's really difficult because, like, you just the and so many of the comments around like the squad are that we have a full, you know, full squad now, twenty-five men squad, and the more you look at it, the more you like, well, we do, but so many of them are just like just at this level. Yeah, I, I think for me, people will think always like uh, accused of being negative by some people, not everyone actually. Lots of people agree on this one that my whole objective for this season is to stay up. And if we do more than that, that is absolutely fantastic. We just need to get a win now against Bristol City on Saturday because that is absolutely huge. I'm not convinced it's going to happen myself. I want to be positive about it. But if we could get ourselves just any kind of momentum back, we just need to pick up wins every so often. I think in my head, if we have 35 points by Christmas, I think we're going to be fine. Well, that's really hard. I don't think we'll be anywhere near that. Well, you never know. You never know, do you? All of a sudden, we, it's, it's, it's so Reading FC, all of a sudden we can pick up three wins on the trial. Yeah, You're like, where is, did that, that come from? That is <laughs> you just true. don't know. I, I feel like if we can get seven more points before the World Cup break, I think we've got six games to go or something. Yeah, no, no, no. I meant by Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah Maybe yeah. if we can get, I don't know, 11 yeah. by Christmas or no, something. No, but, no, we won't have 35 by the World Cup. No, if we have yeah. that, I'm outside Waitrose and I'm doing all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think if we can get seven before the World Cup break, then I'll be relatively okay, like relatively calm with it. We'll be on almost 30 points with 20 games or 25 games to go. And that should be more than enough. Um, but it's just about finding, like, finding the two games that we can win between now and the World Cup break. And we've got some winnable games. Preston at home should be a winnable game. Bristol at home should be a winnable game. Hull away could be a winnable game. Like, granted, we've also got to play Burnley, Watford and Luton, and all of them are doing quite well. But, you know, I think, I don't know, it's not necessarily there's loads of, like, hope and... Uh, signs of optimism there, but I think there's we're not dead and buried yet. We've lost three games in a row. We we haven't lost, you know, we're not sitting bottom of the table and stranded or anything yet, just yet. Oh so no, 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 nothing it's, like that. It's not that. quite time to, to 
to panic, you know, completely. But I think there's definitely signs of concern there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you look at it, we're five points off the top and nine points away from the relegation zone. So we're in a better position than we'd probably, I would have hoped, let's just say that, before the start of the season. So two quick questions, Alex. A score prediction for Saturday and do you bring Ovi back into the team? I definitely would bring Ovi into the team for Saturday. Um, I would probably try a 4-3-3 because we don't have enough central defenders. Um, I'll say it's going to be 1-1 on Saturday. We'll at least stop the rot of losing, but we won't pick up three points. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to be really optimistic, putting my blue tinted glasses, which I don't have any of. But um, I'm going to say 2-1 to Reading. And Ovi Ajaria will play. I've no idea here if he have any impact or not, but I think it's probably time, isn't it? We've tried all the other options there. So thanks for a lot for listening. If you've enjoyed it, give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And we'll be back with a preview podcast probably on Thursday. So cheers. Thanks a lot.